Welcome to the Positive Impact Podcast, where we dive into the world of movers, shakers, and changemakers, creating a positive impact on the world. This is your host, Alexandra Black Pollock, and together we're going to tackle real issues, discovering how we can make the world a better place. Thanks for joining us for another Stories from the Field episode where we're connecting with different people who are able to drive home the impact of organizations and their work around the globe. If you're looking for tactical ways to move forward and make this type of impact in your endeavors, then you need to check out Journey to Social Entrepreneurship, an entire event designed to harness the power of service and move forward towards successful social enterprise. Check that out and unlock all of the recordings. My free gift to you at journeytosocialentrepreneurship.com. And with that, we've got some incredible stories on the line today. If you were joining us on Wednesday, you got to hear Patrick Dowd's incredible insight to this unique nonprofit, Millennial Train. To showcase the power of this transformative train ride, we have Randy Gloss, who joined the cross-country adventure in 2015. Her Millennial Train project was Gloss Rags Goes There, where she focused on community activism, engagement, and outreach. Randy documented the incredible experiences of her social change apparel company's customers' experiences. Randy, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So this is such a unique nonprofit, and it's something that I've never heard of. How did you first hear about Millennial Train Project? I'm not sure if it was on Facebook or Twitter, but I know I think for their second journey, I want to say, I got an email. But that was back in 2014 before, or no, 2013, actually, before I had actually started Gloss Rags. And so I was like, man, that's really dope millennials, young folks, people my age getting on a train, traveling across the country. Um, Because my parents had took us on trains when we were little, so I was familiar with that experience. But I wasn't there yet. Um, So then the next year rolled around and the email showed up in my inbox again. And Gloss Rags existed at this point. And so I was like, man, this could really be something. Oh, when you say that your parents took you on trains as a kid, that's actually really uncommon. Where exactly did they take you to and what was the point of the journey? So I was originally born in D.C. Uh, We moved around a little bit. When we moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, we would my mom would sometimes take my brother and I on the train to D.C. to visit my grandparents. So that was probably, I think, about a six hour ride. Um, And I remember one time she got us a sleeper car and we just thought it was so cool we were like, oh my gosh, you can go to the bathroom in the same room and the bed bunk pulls down from the ceiling and all these things. And so I think I was about nine or 10 at the time when, you know, she took us on the train and just, I don't know, fell in love with it. It's just a different way of traveling. Um, Even at a young age, it just stimulates you in a different way than, you know, traveling on a plane or a car would do. I didn't ride in my first train until, you know, I was in college and it was actually not even in the States. So I love that you got to experience it at such a young age. And as you said, fell in love with the experience. For sure. Now, with Gloss Rags, what was the specific appeal to have this as a little bit of an incubator for your company? 
Well, we're based primarily online. Uh, so, you know, you can head to glossrags.com to check out our about section, the shop and things like that. And so what I was noticing was that we were building a pretty supportive online community through Instagram. Um, Instagram primarily, actually, my personal Instagram, Randy Gloss, which also doubles for Gloss Rags. Um, and then I was meeting some folks face to face here in D.C. when we would vend at local festivals but I really wanted to be able to meet people face to face and talk to them about their experiences wearing the shirts because, you know, folks would tag, tag glass rags and tag, um, you know, me on Twitter and Instagram all the time. So it was great to be, or even email. And it was great. I love being able to see people in person and tell me about their experiences. I really wanted to start planting the seeds for growing a physical um, community across the country because we had orders coming from Washington State and Texas and Florida and places where I didn't know anybody. Um, and so MTP really was a perfect opportunity, especially starting out in California where they were, at the time, they were one of our top three states um, where orders were coming from. And so just, I'm, a, I'm big on meeting the people, talking to people. Um, and it was just kind of like a perfect setup, to be honest. As you got to meet these customers all across the U.S., what is one of the most unique experiences that you had? Man, New Orleans was really special because Gloss Rags Goes There was a three-part program. So one, we wanted to partner with small minority-owned businesses. Two, we wanted to give people an opportunity to talk to us about their experiences wearing the hand-counting shirts. And three, we wanted to really uncover those stories um, that maybe were were going on with police brutality or prejudice in those communities but weren't making national headlines. So everything came together in New Orleans as far as the folks that we talked to. So two or three people walked in wearing the shirts, and that got me in my feelings. And then um, the pop-up shop was awesome. Cody over at Refresh 223 is just super, super dope. Um, And then we were talking to them about Katrina because it was the 10-year anniversary um, since the flood in 2005, or the hurricane, excuse me. Um, and so really every single point of the three point project with Glossers goes there was accomplished. So that was really special, um, to see that happen. Now, some of these stories that you were talking about capturing, is there one that really resonated with you and that just made an impact? I don't think I can pick just one, to be honest, because now we're in the process of editing all that footage, um, for a forthcoming documentary. Just seeing the stories again, seeing the faces, hearing the narratives and everything that they shared, everything was just so real. Um, And it was coming from folks as young as, you know, their early 20s to in their mid 40s, you know. And so I just I don't know. I just remember bits and pieces from everybody's stories. I don't know that there was just one, but I just remember being amazed at the commonalities and the the similar threads um, across the stories, whether you were in LA or Austin, you know, or Baltimore. So that was really interesting. What were some of those commonalities? I think something that I kept hearing across the board was people talking and reflecting about the militarization of police as not just, um, police brutality going beyond being a racial issue, but being a systematic issue, a systemic issue um, was really, really uh, poignant in a sense, because it's like whether you are in the West Coast or East Coast or the middle of the country, to hear that theme of 
police militarization and having myself seen, you know, tanks roll down the streets of Baltimore and know the history of everything, you know, the the race riots in LA um, and then being in the South, it just really um, struck a chord for me. I can't even imagine what it would have been like to hear those stories, especially to hear them again and again. Yeah, it was sometimes it felt like it was, you know, deja vu. I mean, we pretty much asked the same set of questions to everybody because our questions were the control variable for us. But the answers, those were not orchestrated. That really people just and we didn't give people questions ahead of time. We were literally just asking them on the spot. But for the most part, you know, these were just answers coming from their heart and coming from the experiences that they lived through. And so to hear those common themes, be it militarization of police or fear, um, you know, was really, really striking. Now, is there somewhere online that our listeners can go to and they can kind of hear some of these stories as they come out? So not just yet. Um, We're working on a feature-length documentary, and then we'll also uh, sort of chop that footage up into um, a web series so that you'll be able to meet the people um, in the various cities week by week. And then the documentary is going to sort of be a larger picture, um, but you'll still be meeting those same characters. We're working hard to get it out. I definitely think it's going to happen in 2016. I just don't know when yet. Well, you definitely have a lot on your plate. What a rewarding process as well. And I know that we're going to be so excited to hear those stories and have you piece all these different narratives from across the country and really showcase those parallels. But now I'm really curious, all of these stories that you captured around the country, they really tie into your apparel company. And that was part of the motivation for this trip. So where did those kind of intersect? Well, I mean, you think about uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and you also think about where some of our brothers and sisters have died. And it's really, it's really something that's happening. It's an epidemic, quite frankly, that's happening across the country. And so when I, you know, as orders continued to come in and I saw that they were coming, even international orders were flowing in. um, I was just like, we have to be able to talk to people and, and see what they're feeling and how it makes them feel. Because To me, if you're willing to wear this shirt, it's a commitment because this is a shirt that to this day makes people uncomfortable. Um, I had somebody tweet me last week and said she was wearing the sweatshirt version at um, a local pool. And this white woman came up to her and literally told her as she was, you know, dressing, getting ready to go, that her sweatshirt made her uncomfortable. And the importance of, I think, especially with mainstream media being able to, there's, you know, the kind of buzz phrases, control the narrative and change the narrative. And so I've seen firsthand that what mainstream media reporting, especially from what I've seen in Baltimore, is not the reality. And so really just wanting to give voice to people um, who have supported our business uh, because, you know, we wouldn't exist if people stopped buying the shirts, to be honest, and and just connect and keep growing and, and, you know, it's, it's ever evolving, so... So for our listeners who've never actually seen your shirts, can you describe them for us and what is so compelling about them? I think what makes the shirt so provocative is that the way that the names are listed, whether it's black men or black women who've been killed by police or fellow Americans, seeing all those names together in a very 
minimalistic way is just very striking. And so whether it's, you know, it hits people in different ways. So whether you're from a certain area, maybe where one of these tragedies has happened, or even depending on your race, you could react to the shirt in a very different way. Um, and I think that that in and of itself just makes it um, continually powerful and continues to have that shock value even, you know, going we're going into our second year, so... What a compelling way to do a t-shirt. And as you said, it would be very striking. On your personal journey through this company and as you wear these shirts, what have been some of the most unique or different responses that you've gotten? The responses never cease to amaze me. I've had people ask me if they were a basketball team, if they were rappers, if they were my kids. And I was like, you know, do I look like I have nine kids? I'm 25 years old. But in those instances, I don't necessarily get mad. I just view it as a way to educate people and as a conversation starter. Um, one of the most striking things a few months ago on Twitter, someone called it a death map. And that really, I think in that instance, I was a little offended. Um, but because because this this issue is so near and dear to my heart. And I, I, you know, I work around these t-shirts every day. Um, that to me felt, I think that was one of the harshest things that's been said about the shirts. Um, so that, that took me a second to kind of process and work through, but for the most part, you know, there's that level of curiosity or that sort of, whether it's a head nod or that general acceptance of, okay, I know, I know those names. I, I see you, you know, I see what you have on. I see what you're wearing. Um, those, those experiences I always appreciate. And even the other ones, I mean, especially the first ones you described where people weren't familiar with those names, those must really drive you forward and say, there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in some instances, it would be ideal to not have to make these shirts anymore, but I don't think... (laughs) Unfortunately, realistically, I don't, and I don't mean to sound cynical, but I'm, I don't necessarily see an immediate end to this problem of police brutality and, and targeting of specifically black men and women, um, and unfair treatment. But like you said, it is motivation and it is when people, it might be like one o'clock in the morning and someone emails me and shares their story about wearing the shirt. And that's just like an extra burst of energy that I need to power through, whether it's like a mound of emails or prepping, you know, writing notes for orders or whatever, those type of things um, definitely keep me going. And I can only imagine how after being on this train ride and connecting with people around the U.S., how energizing that experience was. It was so great. I just remember waking up on the train, we're in motion, seeing the landscape, and I was just so ready to get get off the train and, and set up our next pop-up shop and see who was going to walk in the store and see what stories that were going to unfold. And then even afterwards, I was just really energized, like you said, uh, to keep doing the work and keep pushing, um, keep thinking, keep creating, and honestly keep fighting because it's, it is it is a fight. Um, people have come to describe Glossrags as a movement or a part of the movement, and that's not... Um, something that I take lightly. So having experiences like MTP where I'm able to still do glass rags, but in a different setting really allowed my mind to open up and think 
creatively and think bigger, you know, and those type of experiences are, are ones that are needed because if you kind of get stuck in the same routine, then you can become a little bit stagnant. And that's the last thing that I want to do. I'm so glad that you just described this initiative to think bigger and push yourself and remove yourself from your traditional settings. Cause that is when we connected with Patrick, that's what he wanted. He wanted the journey itself to be transformative. And one of the pieces that they do to facilitate this is mentorship on the bus. Can you tell us how that played a role into your journey? I really felt like we had an all-star team of mentors. Um, Jeff Martin, who was there from the very beginning, he led our first session. And he's just the coolest guy. Like, he has his daughter name, his daughter's names tatted on his arm. Um, and he's just super easy to talk to. He was kind of like the, the dad or the super cool uncle of the train. And so everybody felt real comfortable talking to to him about our ideas and about what we wanted to do. Um, there was Scott Peterson, who was, again, who was just super dope as well, really witty, really creative. And he was the one who, he challenged me specifically, I remember, to think bigger. He's like, well, if you have this documentary, you want to do screenings in, you know, the cities that you went to, that we that we all went through, but what else can you do? How can you make those screenings bigger? Like, and I really appreciated that. And even um, Dr. Kamara Jones, she got on board in Atlanta and she talked to us about the science of racism and how it can affect your health. And that was eye opening because I didn't know that there was actually statistics and studies to show that racism can have an effect on your physical and mental health. So, you know, and we had writers on board from Fast Company, but who were also our mentors. Leslie is amazing. Um, and our, our pioneer journey leaders who some of them were former train participants as well as the other staff members. It was just like, it really was an all-star team. So I'm so thankful. And, and we're still in touch today. And that's probably one of the best things. Man, this journey just sounds so incredible. I really want to look into it someday. You definitely should. Um, there's two, two trips this year, August 1st through the 7th, I think is the change journey. And then the 10th through the 17th of August is the unity journey. So I've been telling, you know, trying to tell as many people as possible, if you have an idea, um, and I think MTP says, if you, if you have an idea that moves, uh, then go for it, you know? And so MTP really does open doors for you. And especially for me with Glass Strikes, being a small business owner, to think about all I was responsible or all I had to do in order to get on board was raise that crowdfund, that $5,000, um, but thinking about if I had to worry about flying to six different cities and where I was going to stay and what I was going to eat, that probably, that, that cost honestly would have far exceeded, you know, the money that I had to earn my spot on board with. And so I just am so thankful for the opportunity and I'm so glad that I was able to really be a part of it. So for our listener out there who is just really intrigued by this idea and is considering joining the Millennial Train Project, what advice do you have for them? That's a really good question. I think that it might sound cliche, but asking yourself, what do I have to lose? Because when you think about it really from a financial standpoint, if you don't hit the goal, then everybody gets their money back. But what if you do hit the goal? What doors then will open? What? How can you, as, as MTP says, put your ideas into motion? And what I really felt pers- on a personal level was that it was irony, but there was a such a I experienced such a sense of stillness on the train, even though we were constantly in motion, that I would not have been able to feel be 
in my regular routine because that's not the case. I'm always going to pick up shirts or go to a meeting and do this and do that. But when you're on the train, you just really get to be exposed to different minds, people to bounce your ideas off of, people to talk about life um, and, and the mentors and everybody. It's just a really, it was really like family. Um, and I know that even for Glossrags, we wouldn't have been able to experience the level of growth in 2015 without MTP as a catalyst for that. Well, we are so excited to follow the journey of MTP in 2016 and see what doors they open for their participants this year. Randy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Alex. It was great talking to you and I love what you guys are doing. So thanks for having me. And for our listeners who are really excited and want to learn more about your products, how do they find you? Yes, we are on Twitter at at GlossRags, and I do some tweeting myself at Randy with an I, R-A-N-D-I, Gloss. And then our website is just GlossRags.com. We're making some changes to the shop, so if you wanted to go, you couldn't buy a shirt right at this very moment, but don't worry, we're coming back. (laughs) Coming back strong, right? Yes, we're really excited for and 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 people are like, when are you guys coming back? You know, there's there's definitely that uh, that energy out there. So have no fear, we're we're on the way. <laughs> All right, we're looking forward to it. Well, movers and shakers, I hope you enjoyed this really unique and dynamic perspective on what this transformational train ride can do for whether it's just an idea or a business or spurring of movement like it did with Gloss Rags goes there. For all of the resources mentioned today and including some photos of these really intriguing shirts, head on over to positiveimpactpodcast.com slash gloss rags. We're going to have lots of photos, insights, and resources for you there. Now, if you guys are looking to change up your newsfeed and really interact with positive stories from around the globe, then join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash positiveimpactcommunity. Until next time, keep doing your part to make the world a better place.